Hello and welcome to our At Any Rate Emerging Markets Focus podcast, a place for us to discuss recent developments and key issues of focus in the emerging market fixed income asset class. I'm Johnny Goulden from the Emerging Market Strategy team here at JP Morgan, and I'm joined by Saad Siddiqui, also from our Emerging Market Strategy team. Hi, Saad. Thanks for joining. Hi, good to be here. So this week has seen an absolute torrent of significant macro data and developments, all of which need picking over and digesting for EM markets uh, that probably won't all be finished by the end of today. We've had major central bank decisions, shift from the Fed and ECB, key activity data in, in PMIs and equivalents, inflation data in Europe. We have some read through from US company earnings season. And to finish it uh, the week, we've had a bumper employment report from the US. Um, so we're dealing with that, but also EM's not just about the top down. We've had some significant developments in, in some of our EM countries as well, uh, which have been moving markets. So let's try and take these uh, each as they are. And let's start with the top down then, Saad, and, and really with the data and developments around central banks. What do you think the key messages we should take from both the Fed uh, and the ECB this week, which are relevant for EM assets? So I think coming into this um, super week for central bank meetings, the concern really was that we had seen over the past month or so an easing of financial conditions, rates had rallied, the market was looking increasingly comfortable about uh, a peaking uh, Fed funds rate or that the Fed would would not really spring some type of hawkish surprise. So the fear, I think, was that we would get a little bit more of a pushback from the Fed on the easing of financial conditions and what the market was pricing in. You know, The market is pricing in some degree of rate cuts um, towards the end of, of this year in the U.S. Um, so that was the fear. The reality ended up being, I think, a lot more supportive. Um, you know, the Fed uh, did not push back upon anything like market pricing, didn't really push back upon the notion that uh, financial conditions have eased and that they need to be uh, undoing some of the easing that's taken place with the reduction in credit spreads and rates over the past uh, four to six weeks. So net-net, um, you know, markets rallied on the back of, of, this, of this Fed meeting. I think that was probably the right thing because it gave a confirmation uh, to the market of what it had already, um, you know, was, was thinking. And that confirmation, I think, was reflected then in uh, lower rates that spread into EM as well. So not just wasn't just uh, lower uh, uh, U.S. rates, tighter credit spreads and a weaker dollar as well. So. That all sounds like it's supportive for risk and also lower rates, but what have we seen also in activity data? So we also had this week um, the, the dump of PMI data as well um, across both EM and developed markets. Um, I think the interesting thing here is uh, we have seen an increase in China's manufacturing PMI. Uh, it was roughly on order, actually, with what we had discussed a couple of weeks ago uh, when we discussed um, what the market was pricing in for a jump in China growth. And if you recall back then, we uh, estimated this basket of China growth-sensitive assets, and they were basically 
pointing towards uh, you know a, a reasonable jump in the manufacturing PMI in China, and we got something more or less along those lines, um, you know, around the 50 mark uh, for the official PMI. Now, I think the other thing to note here, which is interesting, is if you look at the emerging markets minus U.S. PMI gap, it now actually is looking positive. And that doesn't happen very often. It's clearly been driven by the fact that in the U.S., the PMIs, the isms, they've all been uh, looking pretty weak over the last few months. The emerging markets also was looking weak. But now that you've had this bit of a bounce in China, um, you have a positive gap between those PMIs in, in EM and, and the U.S. Um, and you know, historically, there is a correlation between EM asset price returns and this PMI differential. So the fact that this has now moved in uh, favor of emerging markets, again, is uh, an incremental supportive factor here in addition to um, the news we had out from uh, the central banks. So, so far, so good. But then today, we just had a very strong labor market uh, set of data in the US. Does that complicate things? So, yes, um, it's it's never always a, cl a clean story in in financial markets and in, in the economy. Um, you know, we had, as you mentioned, a, a real bumper uh, payrolls print today from the U.S., way above expectations. And the market has reacted to that in, uh, as you'd expect, you're, we're seeing rates go higher um, at the time of recording this podcast. The dollar has also uh, been strengthening. Um, so I think that does put a little bit of a fly in the ointment in the short term. Um, it injects a little bit of uncertainty about the message that the Fed was giving um, you know, earlier in the week you know, and it opens up questions about, well, now is the Fed going to have to do a bit more of a hawkish pivot again? Was the market a bit too complacent about what it was pricing in for the terminal Fed funds rate? So clearly it, it does um, uh, present itself as a bit of a complicating factor, um, you know, compared to um, uh, the other bits of better news that we had, you know, for EM. But um, Ultimately, I, I, you know, this is just one data point. It's not something that we should probably um, kind of over overreact to or overemphasize uh, its importance. But I think it does uh, send a reminder that not all is clean in terms of the macro narratives that we have right now. Right. So exactly, we got a bunch of stuff that we've talked about there. When when you put that all together, central banks activity data, US labor market. What do you think the overall takeaways are, like the bottom line for EM markets here? Yeah, I think taking a step back, the broad swathe of data that we've had um, over the over the past couple of months, beginning with you know the fall in natural gas prices for Europe, then the evidence of pretty strong and compelling evidence of disinflation taking place, not just in the US, but more broadly in the emerging markets as well, the notion that you know the uh, where we've seen the peak of the Fed hawkishness as well, the China reopening story, all of that I think is um, uh, you know clearly been 
supportive for emerging market assets, notwithstanding the bit of complication we had uh, just today with um, with the labor market. So net net, I think the the trend and the trajectory here is becoming more supportive. You know, Johnny, we've been talking about on this podcast in recent weeks about the um, about the risks to emerging markets that come towards the end of a cycle. Um, you know, a U.S. recession coming—that's something which um, you know always ends up pressuring uh, emerging market assets. Um, and it seems that you know the data that we're that we're getting is basically postponing or pushing back some of those concerns um, in kind of a pretty consistent way. So whereas a couple of months ago we might have thought we're you know closer to midnight, and now it seems a bit more like you know early evening. Uh, if I were to use that analogy. So, um, yeah, I guess the question you come back with on that is, doesn't everyone already think a lot of that already? And in the sense of when we look at what we discussed last week, a lot of our positioning and in indicators are looking a bit overbought. How do we factor in that sort of near-term consideration in terms of market positioning and sentiment already? Well, that's absolutely true. It's clear that what we're talking about has not been ignored by the market. You know, if you look at the performance of EM asset prices since the lows of October, November, we're up, you know, about fifteen percent in total return terms. If I just take local markets um, as a proxy, so the market has been reacting to this. We see it in other indicators as well. We see it in um, our um, positioning indicators that have seen some addition of positioning, although it's a bit mixed across asset classes as we discussed last week. So just to kind of quickly recall, um, sovereign credit, people added to longs after already being overweight. In the case of FX, it was predominantly short covering, um, but it was a pretty significant uh, move over the past couple of months of, of short covering. In rates, we see it less so. Um, our risk appetite index, which we've referred to quite a lot in our research, is telling us tactically that um, you know markets probably do have a little bit of froth in the, in the near term. But taking a step back, if you think about the medium term positioning in emerging markets, then um, foreign participation in local bond markets, for example, um, is quite low. Over the past year or so, emerging market bond funds have not received that many inflows either. You know, they may begin to see, we're beginning to see some inflows uh, uh, tick up over the past, uh, uh, you know, few weeks. So on that medium term basis, there's plenty of room for, uh, you know, for investors to add to their exposure to emerging markets, fixed income, um, and valuations on a more medium term basis as well do not look that expensive or rich, um, in local markets, you know, sovereign credit we've discussed, it probably does look uh, more expensive. So there's some differentiation there, but positioning I don't think is a big hurdle, at least for local markets on a medium term basis, even though tactically there's, um, there's clearly uh, room to, to be a little bit cautious. And today's data from the labor market is a reminder that you know, one should always be very judicious in kind of entry levels and being sensitive to getting in at the right types of 
um, prices for these assets because things can go wrong and you need to have some margin of safety. But if I were to kind of broaden out the discussion, Johnny, it's not just about what's happening with the Fed or PMIs or China. There's a lot of developments happening in emerging markets under the, the hood as well. Uh, we've had quite a few ratings actions in, in, in the recent uh, you know, week or so. so. What's been going on there, Johnny? Yeah, so we've got actually a couple of things. Uh, first is political risk is obviously always a feature of emerging markets. Uh, and we've had some countries where this has been causing underperformance in recent weeks. Peru is, is a good example, uh, which is having ongoing domestic political uncertainty about the election cycle. But also over the last week, we have seen uh, active rating agencies where Nigeria, Tunisia and Hungary all saw credit rating agencies downgrading their foreign currency bonds. And in some of them, that has been material. So Nigeria, probably the most material, Moody's downgraded the long-term foreign currency rating to CAA1 from uh, B3. Um, this comes on the back of their expectations that the government's fiscal and debt position will continue to deteriorate. And given that was a surprise, and also that Triple C bucket does have some technical pressure, some funds uh, may not be able to hold those bonds. We have seen uh, some initial underperformance there. In Tunisia, uh, we also had a, a downgrade uh, from Moody's. Uh, their long-term foreign currency and local currency issuer ratings uh, moved down one notch to CAA2 with an outlook of negative. That actually puts them on par with Ethiopia, which is, uh, as we, we have discussed before, it actually in a debt restructuring at the moment. Um, uh, the reasons the rate agency cited were really uh, on the back of uh, an absence so, so far of a comprehensive financing plan uh, and delay in securing uh, some financing and IMF uh, uh, board approval as well. Um, you know, we have at times uh, been more, more uh, optimistic about this in Tunisia uh, and probably remain so, um, but uh, there's certainly been some delays there uh, which are causing markets to, to retrace a bit as well. And uh, finally, Hungary had uh, S&P downgrade um, to triple B minus from triple B, but the rating uh, outlook was uh, revised to stable from negative. Often things on that cusp of investment grade, sub-investment grade can feel quite risky, but I think the market has taken some comfort from the fact that the, the outlook has been moved to stable. And so we would need to see that move before any any real downgrades to sub-investment grade and, and actually hasn't really been material for, for Hungarian assets. So Johnny, it seems bottom up, the trend is still for credit ratings downgrades um, for you know, for quite a few emerging markets. Uh, you just mentioned three of them. Um, so how do you square that up with the observation I made earlier that the top-down cyclical story might be looking a bit more supportive, whether it's from you know, the China reopening story or global disinflation or what, what the Fed is doing, when EMs, it seems, um, on a bottom-up basis are still seeing downgrades how how do we reconcile those two things, and what is and how do how do markets reconcile them? More importantly, 
So I, I think, you know, first and foremost, we may just have both happening at the same time. And that's going to be tricky. And probably the first thing that's going to mean for markets is one of significant differentiation between these sovereign credits. So some likely are have too much of uh, a macroeconomic drag in terms of debt uh, from the last cycle and are going to need to work through that. Uh, others, which may have avoided that, will probably benefit from the improvements uh, on the growth side and the, and the macro side. I think there is obviously a, an element of timing. If that improvement goes on long enough, then that likely means that uh, some of the fundamentals will start to improve, the financing ability will start to improve. And so, you know, if we get a much more prolonged period, uh, six months from now, let's say, from and we've already been three months of, of improvement, easing in financial conditions and growth picking up, then actually that may start to be material uh, in helping some of the tail of these countries be able to access markets and, and rehabilitate themselves. Um, but I think for now, we're probably going to have to think about a world where some of the differentiation is going to be much starker. And that brings us to the end of this JP Morgan at any rate, Emerging Markets Focus podcast. Thanks to you, Saad, for joining today. And thank you all for listening. And we hope to have you back again with us for the next one. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan Research Reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2023, JP Morgan Chasing Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on the 3rd of February, 2023.